Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Wednesday, March 8th edition of the Basement Academy. For our morning psalm, I'm going to read a portion, not the full psalm, just because of its length and the time that I'd like to reserve for our discussion this morning. But this is a portion of Psalm 68. I love, love this full psalm, but the opening uh, lines in particular. This is uh, for the director of music, a psalm of David. It is a song. May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him. As smoke is blown away by the wind, may you blow them away. As wax melts before the fire, may the wicked perish before God. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God, sing praise to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord, and rejoice before him. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. When you went out before your people, O God, when you marched through the wasteland, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. You gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. Your people settled in it. And from your bounty, O God, you provided for the poor. It's going to stop there. There's another 30 or 40 verses. Some great language. Ah, the tenderness, father to the fatherless, the defender of windows, the one who sets the lonely in families. And so God cares for us at our deepest levels. But then this majesty riding on the clouds. Um, may God arise, may his enemies be scattered. That, that goes all the way back uh, to the Exodus. And they came out of Israel and the priest would blow the horn. And so that was, you know, when, when the horns were, the trumpets were blown and it's with a certain pattern, may God arise, may his enemies be scattered and may his foes flee before him. And so this is a calling back to that Exodus experience. And so um, the psalmist keeps that in front of us and we must always keep that in front of us and that the, the, the picture of the Exodus and then the getting to the promised land, that's a, that's a, a framework for understanding our lives, right? We are born, as we grow and mature, we realize we're just not at home in this world, right? And so this is the, the challenge of the, the human condition. Sin makes, it, makes us feel like we don't fit. We don't fit in our families. And so parents and children often struggle. Children can't wait to get away from mom and dad. Then they get out on their own and then they realize, gee, I don't fit. I'm looking for a tribe of my own. Uh, you know, so we find families and then husbands and wives struggle. Then they have kids who, with whom they struggle and we go to work, but this work isn't as satisfying as I want it to be. What we fail to understand is we feel this way because of sin, because this is not our home. Ultimately, we're, we're destined for a, a, a heavenly dwelling. And so this, this psalm is great, that God goes with us, God refreshes us, and he provides for us out of his abundance in our poverty. 
as we make our pilgrimage through this life. And so that I think is some nice context for uh, the discussion this morning. So last couple days interacting with the survey, one more day, okay? Uh, elders met last night. Um, and let me just give a, just a summary um, of, of what happened. So we, we unpacked the results a little bit, you know, kind of uh, talked about it, talked about the meeting, what we heard, maybe what we didn't hear. There was a sense of how respectful the meeting felt open. You know, there were some questions asked that, you know, where's this one going to go? Um, and yet uh, there was a sense of respect um, and trust that the elders perceived to be in the room, uh, a recognition that, you know, because of the results, there are some who probably finding themselves in the minority. And so some concern that we share that people may feel like Greenwich is no longer their home. That hurts our hearts to think about that. Um, we, we think it is still true that this is the church family for, for all uh, who, who have, have been Greenwich before the survey. You can be Greenwich after the survey. But we, we spoke about that. Um, we received a packet of 100 and, I don't know, 30 or 40 comments. Every comment that was on any survey, no, with no names attached, okay? But the elders have received that, and we've asked them to prayerfully read through what themes, what, what common patterns, common questions or, or remarks were there. You know, we lifted some up on Sunday, the themes of, Gratitude, thanksgiving for the survey. Um, uh, is this my home anymore? Is the chart biased? Um, whatever that other one was. There, there, there were four, four themes, I think, that we, we had lifted up. Um, and so, uh, yeah, where do we go next? That, that was the other, other theme. And so are there additional themes? So we asked the elders for that. Uh, we're, there's some more follow-ups to do. If you indicated on your survey that you wished to be contacted, hopefully you've already been contacted, but, th but th those contacts have been assigned out and so follow up from the elders. Um, and then we talked a lot about next steps. And so really the, the most immediate next step, having gone to the congregation, is to share the results with um, our presbytery leader, John Molina Moore. John was with us a year ago, uh, you know, came out uh, in worship uh, uh, last March, and then um, came to be with the elders uh, in the fall. He's the one who suggested doing the survey, so we want to share the results with him and um, get, get in conversation with him, you know, have him come on back uh, to, to uh, meet with the elders and just kind of talk through uh, some next steps. Um, a letter will be going out. So we reviewed a letter that will be going out um, to, to the member homes, okay? This is the, the challenge because a lot of non-members uh, returned the survey. Um, you know, regular attenders, et cetera. So we're sending the letter. We sent the packet to member homes. We're sending the letter with the results to all the member homes just in case folks didn't complete a survey, didn't, you know, miss the meeting, whatever. We're just trying to have integrity and openness and transparency about that. Um, we anticipate uh, middle end of April, tentatively the 23rd of April, Sunday evening, having a congregational dinner, uh, like at five o'clock or something like that, um, and then just have some conversation, just update. You know, we've had a chance to talk to John. Here's what we think is, is next. Um, we spent time in prayer um, uh, last night as well. So it's good meeting. We had other stuff to do, so this wasn't the only thing we, we talked about. 
but there was a general sense in the room that the results kind of affirm the sense of the, of the session, the elders who have been unanimous around bringing these concerns forward to the congregation. Um, there was a sense of affirmation, not consensus. We recognize that, and so we certainly want to be respectful of, of those who may disagree. So hopefully that's a fair summary. I would welcome any additional follow-up. Um, you know, happy to, happy to share, uh, but, but I want, want to let you know we're, we're taking this very, very thoughtfully and seriously. Let, let me read a question, um, and I think this will probably be the last question around the survey, just, you know, going to dive into other questions that have come in from the Academy. We'll, we'll do that again tomorrow. Um, this was received Sunday afternoon, okay? So let me go ahead and read this. Although your survey results showed the majority of our church supports realignment, have you considered that this constant drip, drip, drip of this ongoing discussion, and discussions in quotes, is increasingly making our church environment more political than pastoral? So great, great question. I love Greenwich, but I'm quickly growing weary of this constant distraction. Will we lose a lot of members, not because they don't agree, but because of this distraction? Another good question. We used to be a very stable church, financially and otherwise, and now we are waffling and don't know where, what we're doing, where we're going, or how much it's going to cost to get there. Aren't you concerned that all these issues are not really worth all the self-induced disruption? So, great question, or great set of questions. <clears throat> uh, heartfelt, thoughtful you know, uh, when, when folks are expressing their disappointment, um, they're upset, there's, a, there's an honesty to those questions, right? <clears throat> Not that other questions aren't honest, but there's something when people are willing to articulate their frustration to leadership, I think that's helpful. <clears throat> so, um, so get, you know, got the question on Sunday, wanted to think about it for a couple days, and I shared this with the elders last night, and we actually had a discussion about this. Both in my own thinking for the last couple days, as well as last night, it, it, what, what arose was, what alternative do we have to what we're doing? So what alternatives are available to us? So behind the question is the implication that it doesn't have to be this way. The drip, 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 the, the constant distraction. I, I, I get that. I, I feel some of that myself because I'm having to do a lot of the work, you know, to get us there. So I, I appreciate this. <laughs> so um, one alternative is to just do nothing. Just, you know, make, just pretend that it's not there, right? Just You just press on, be Greenwich, forget the denomination, forget the, the you know, practices, beliefs, priorities that have changed that are moving in a particular direction. Um, and just, you know, the denomination goes on its way and we keep going on our way, but we remain a Presbyterian church, um, USA. Frankly, that's probably the easiest for me because I can retire in a couple of years, I can be done with the whole thing and I'm, I ride off into the sunset. So the do nothing option is always an option, status quo, right? So that's, that's an alternative. I suppose there's an alternative of actually join the PCUSA in its activism, in its 
you know, commitment to dismantling, you know, poverty and racism, commit to its beliefs so that, you know, if we're sensing an out of alignment, well then get in step, get in line, right? And so one alternative would not be just to, you know, kind of bury our head in the sands and pretend it's not there, you know, the status quo alternative, the other, an other alternative would be to actually join in. Now, the survey would indicate that 90% of Greenwich doesn't wish to join in, right? There's 10% that would be thrilled with that option. I personally would not be able to, in good conscience, join in, but that is an option also, right? So that's an alternative. Status quo, do nothing. If you can't fight them, join them, right? Or we could speak up to the presbytery, as we've done, and this isn't the first time. We have spoken in the past, going back to 2009, 10, 11, 12 timeframe. We had our then-denominational leader, Wilson Gunn, come out uh, on several occasions. And, hey, Wilson, what does this mean? Interpret this statement or this action for us. You know, what are our options, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so we have raised our concerns in the past, expressing a sense of we don't fit. Um, there were intentions to pursue the path we're on now, this path of going to the congregation, raising the concerns and considering uh, an exit was going to be pursued earlier, but we have been prevented by events, building a building, our youth director's misconduct, a pandemic. And so the timing of now has been shaped by external events that took greater precedence uh, at, at Greenwich. But the pathway of an exit out of the denomination has existed. Even from the beginning of the merger in 1983, there was a window created that any church in the southern stream, of which Greenwich is, there was an eight-year window when any church in the southern uh, uh, stream coming into the merger could depart with their property if they followed a process like this. There's a, there was a, an exit process. In 2010, when these changes started to happen, I petitioned, I, I got with some other uh, folks in the presbytery, but I basically drafted a letter asking for a policy to be created, anticipating that there were gonna be some churches, thinking Greenwich might be one of them eventually, but I knew of some other churches that really wanted out hard. And so I took some leadership into the presbytery and wrote a letter. I got stuck on the committee. I got stuck drafting the policy that we're actually going to end up, the process we're going to follow. It's been amended some, but nonetheless, this is essentially something that I and another of my colleagues helped to co-author. Um, and so, so do nothing, pretend it's not there, just go on. I get to retire and Greenwich has to deal with it in the future. That, that's one option. Join the PCUSA, become more activist and, and more progressive in our beliefs and, and theology and practices and other, or seek a realignment. And so the session believes, the elders believe, the realignment is, is the thing. And so the question is not if, but how. Okay, so the, the, the question, the sense of should we do this? Yes, we think we should do this. We think this has been on the heart of Greenwich for a while. Now seems the time, a time and a season for everything. So the questions become how? And so then the decision is how do we do this? Do we try to just 
do we unilaterally withdraw and say meet you in court which is what some churches choose to do we thought that was not respectful or even faithful to scripture which says don't go to court with believers so we can go out angry and go swinging and you know or we could try to be collegial and christ-centered and patient about it which is obviously the path we're on which then makes it feel like a constant drip 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 so i get that um the collegial path requires that we be deliberate that we be open we be transparent that we take time because it takes time to raise awareness to the congregation which is what we were doing last year it takes time to remind of the process that is long um, it, there, there's informational meetings we've held. We've had to answer a lot of questions. I've answered the same set of questions for a year and a half now from the session themselves who've even heard the answer about 10 times. Sometimes they've asked the exact same question that they asked, you know, six months ago or a year ago. And it takes time to keep people calm in the midst of where, you know, baptizing and marrying and burying and preaching sermons and, you know, supporting missionaries and, you know, just doing, you know, church life at Greenwich, you know, youth group, et cetera. Um, and so what I have come to learn is in life that things take time. Different things take different time. It takes four years or more to get a college degree and something happens in those four years from the freshman, fall freshman to spring of senior year, a young person often matures significantly, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. That their relationship with their parents change. You know, they become, go from a, 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 an adolescent unto an adult. And so four years, um, marriage takes time, right? You know, courtship, early years of marriage, children, you know, there's a progression. Careers take time. You know, you start out entry level and then over time you gain wisdom and uh, promotions and responsibility, et cetera. And so it took 40 years to get them from uh, Egypt to, uh, to the promised land. And so... I'm just a slow and steady wins the race kind of guy. It took us about 15 years more for the church, but from my standpoint, you know, got here in 01 and uh, we're coming up on the, the eight year anniversary of being in our new building in 2015. I got here in spring of 01 and in spring of 15. So 14 years of patient leadership and sacrifice and prayer got us to that new building. And so this is just one of those things. And the building was a constant distraction too. So I'm, I'm sympathetic to the questioner that itself and, and heard similar things. Can we just quit talking about the building and money and county and process and septic fields? No, we can't. We have to, do, we have to talk about this. And so here's what I would say, kind of land on this. It is really hard to take a lot of people on a long trip. It's hard to take a few people on a long trip. You know, a family vacation that drives around the country for four or five weeks is fraught with challenge. Planning it, executing it, the blah, blah, blah that happens when you're on it. You know, you feel trapped. Those poor kids in the back seat, you know, on day 21 and they've got 14 more days, right? It is really hard to take a lot of people on a long trip. And this is what we're doing. But this is what life is. And so um, 
This is why I keep talking about the discipleship opportunity that is embedded in this thing, in, in everything, right? So there's a discipleship opportunity that's embedded here. So the questioner is expressing frustration, and I sympathize with that, um, because you don't know the half of the drip, drip, drip and the distraction that it is, because you're not having to lead it. I am. <laughs> and we are, the elders. Um, and so, and so pay, long distracting trips, if we let them, can form character if we let them. And not all of us will, will let the, the situation deepen our character. So the question, back to the questioner is, what opportunity to encounter Jesus Christ is there in this sense of frustration? Um, wh- where, when is it important to stand on your convictions and, and the, the, the scripture? And we may lose some people. So I, I think, you know, the question says, are we gonna lose some people not because of disagreement, but because of the frustration. Yes, there will be. There are already some people who've left, and we're going to lose people on both sides of this. People who we didn't go fast enough, and we didn't go hard enough. There are people who've wanted me to denounce the unbiblical PC USA. They want me to shake their finger, and I say I'm not going to do that. And so people have left because I haven't, and we haven't been stronger against those, you know, people in the PC USA. And there are people who have left and I'm sure will leave because we're doing this at all, that we've become unbiblical and uncaring and hard-hearted and bigoted and mean, etc. So we're going to lose folks on both sides of this. That's a, a reality. We lost them over the building. We lost them over Derek's misconduct, our youth director misconduct. It's just the nature of shared life. People come and go as they wish. People make their own decisions. Loyalties are very thin, I've discovered, over. Um, it's just hard for people to hang in. They get uncomfortable. They, they go somewhere else. And I get that. It's sad, but it's real. And, and so I, I accept that. And this is long before Greenwich have I observed these things. But as I said last year in my study last fall, um, discipleship is apprenticeship. So we're learning the skills of following Jesus and the workshop of disagreement is the place where most of these deeper skills, the necessary skills get worked out. And so one of them, the questioners bringing forward, just the frustration, the distraction, the self-induced disruption. But what are our alternatives? You know, it's like a, you know, a medical thing bubbles up into our lives. Could we just stop talking about my medical thing? You know, or could I, could you quit talking about your need for surgery? It's distracting me. It's a fact. We need surgery, right? And so it's a fact that we are out of alignment with our denomination. The question is, what do we do about that? Okay. So I think this is an opportunity to take us deeper. Um, the, the other fact is it doesn't matter if we stay in the PCUSA or get out of the PCUSA. Uh, these issues that the individual raised, all these issues, are they really worth the self-induced disruption? These issues are never going away. The issues of racism, the issues of uh, human sexuality and and a different approach to what it means to be human, no longer as male and female, but along some spectrum that we can choose, these issues are never going away. Never going away. The human family... And the Greenwich family, therefore, are always going to have to confront that. So we're going to need to equip moms and dads to be able to teach their children 
how to handle these from an historically biblical and, and Christian uh, point of view. And so I guess I'll just wrap up, gone a little long here, but I guess I'll wrap up. Um, one, I think we're still very stable. So I question the, the questioner's uh, assumptions, but I, I, I honor the perspective. But I believe Greenwich is a very stable church. 430 responses tells us of the deep engagement. We all sense this is a church family. We sense connections. Uh, we sense there's something different about this church than other churches we've been in, which is why we stay here. And the, the overwhelming number of responses speaks to the stability and depth and maturity and engagement. So I would believe, I think last year was a blip on the financial thing. After 21 years or more of ending in the black, we expenses exceed income by a little bit one year with all kinds of reserves built up for the 20 previous years. That, that's a non-issue in, in my mind. Maybe we need to speak about money more, but it's a non-issue. So I don't see that as an issue of uh, instability. Um, this will be a disruptive and, and can be a destabilizing time. You know, the, uh, a realignment will shake some people out of the tree and some people are gonna, not gonna be part of the Greenwich family going forward. But so were other events in Greenwich's history, right? So this is just another. Um, so I wish it were not so. I wish the world had not changed. I wish our denomination had not changed. I wish there was a greater faithfulness to the historic beliefs and practices and priorities revealed in scripture. I would wish it to be so, but it is not. And so um, as we read in the last of the seven books of the Chronicles of Narnia called The Last Battle, when a false Aslan arises and leads many in Narnia astray, uh, the king, faced with this great calamity and the distraction um, and the disruption of the, this external thing that the king did not seek or the king did not uh, bring about, realizes that there is but one course. And, and the king says, let us go and take the adventure that Aslan is sending us. Let us take the adventure that Aslan is sending us. And that's the spirit, I think, with which we need to approach this realignment. This is an adventure, so let's lean into it, that our God has brought to us. We who have been grounded for over 200 years in a biblical faith, not a perfect church, not perfect leaders now, not perfect pastors now, not perfect pastors and, and elders in, in the past, but this is a church that has been faithful to preach the gospel, to shepherd into families, uh, and to seek to impact its community and its world for the kingdom of, of God through Jesus Christ. We're not gonna stop now. <laughs> and so let us take the adventure that Aslan is sending us. And I hope that the questioner and I hope that others, um, particularly those who might find themselves feeling out of alignment with Greenwich, I hope that they will stay around long enough to see the adventure through. I believe God is uh, doing things in us, among us, and will continue to do things through us uh, that will be great for his name and for the strengthening of our lives. So anyway, let me wrap up there. We'll, we'll get on to some other things uh, starting tomorrow. Uh, we'll get off the survey. We'll visit it again as, as needed. But uh, thank you for your patience. I know it went a little long today, but, but hopefully you've hung into the end here.
Let's pray. And so, Father, thank you for your mercy revealed in Jesus Christ. Take all that I've said and blow away with the gracious wind of your spirit anything that is not helpful, that is unwise, that is untrue, that will not lead to the strengthening of your church. I pray for our leadership, for our elders. I pray for the congregation, particularly those who've asked these questions, um, how distracting it all is. But Lord, you have called us to faith and to faithfulness uh, in our time, and may it be so. And so help us to rise to the the adventure, to the challenge set before us, that we may draw ever closer to Jesus Christ in faith, hope, and love as we make our prayer in his name, even as he taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God keep you. May God bless you. May God make his face to shine upon you and be with you and go before you this day and forevermore. Amen.